Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 66 to 87 podcast. I'm Tom Reed, joined as always by Dave Molinari, who is on the road covering the team, the the red-hot Pittsburgh Penguins, winners of 10 straight games. And we will be joined a little bit later by LA Times columnist and trailblazer, uh, Helene Elliott. Uh, Helene, obviously, uh, being out in LA, uh, long-time former beat writer, hockey writer, uh, will give us a little bit of a briefing on both the Kings and the Ducks, who the Penguins are about to play and uh, and maybe beat the way this team's playing. Dave, uh, uh, as, a, as a time of our recording on a Friday, uh, this is a team that has a 10-game winning streak. And while it may not all be against the, the elite teams in the league, 10 game winning streak is still uh pretty impressive when you when you when you figure uh this team was thought to be maybe a marginal playoff team a maybe 7th 8th seed uh they're three they're three points out of first place in the in the division uh yeah i mean i i don't care if you're beating a high school jv team 10 <laughs> times in a row that's a significant accomplishment um, that said, you're, you're correct. Uh, five of, of the 10 teams that they've beaten during this streak are below even NHL 500. That would be Buffalo, New Jersey, Philadelphia, Montreal, and Seattle. And uh, a, a sixth, uh, Vancouver, had won three of its uh, 12 game, previous 12 games when it played the Penguins, and it fired its coach the next day. So, you know, the Canucks weren't exactly on a good roll. Uh, but no, the, uh, you know, you can only play the games that you're scheduled to or that COVID allows you to. Yes. And, uh, you know, the Penguins have won 10 in a row of those. And, and that's, that's no small accomplishment. And, and now the, the, uh, the, the uh, West Coast, state of West Coast trip, because you're, you're sitting in Dallas right now. Uh, it will start Saturday afternoon with the matinee in Dallas. And then. Uh, proceed to the West Coast with Anaheim, Los Angeles, San Jose, and then what should be a real good test uh, with the Vegas Golden Knights uh, on the 17th. Uh, there's a chance this team really gets a, a maybe if the whether the streak's broken or not. You look at some of those teams there, then they come home and play uh, Ottawa, one game out in Columbus, and then a long homestand. 
this uh, this could be a very impressive run here. This this stretch of games, if you say about a twenty game stretch starting with their first win, uh, that could be more than enough to get this team uh, in the top three conversation. And again, dare we say, maybe pushing for a second consecutive division title. Right now, you can't rule out anything. You could, uh, they could lose the next five games. It would still be a pretty impressive stretch. You know, a 15 game stretch where if you win two thirds of those, you know, you're playing at a pretty productive level. Uh, yeah, there, I mean, there's, there's no selling this accomplishment short. It's, it's very impressive if, you know, if it was easy to win 10 games in a row, you know, a lot more teams would do it. <laughs> Uh, somebody who who uh, may embody what we're talking about, a, a, a team, again, the, a Penguins team with so many key injuries to start the season, no Sidney Crosby, uh, no Evgeny Malkin, and, and maybe uh, they w- likely will see Evgeny Malkin at some point. There, there have been stretches here without Gensel, without Rust, of course, COVID, all that stuff. And yet, again, here the Penguins sit. But it, if you had to pick a guy that maybe embodies this, wow, this team has I, – I didn't see this coming uh, mid almost midway through the season. I would think it would have to be, Dave, Evan Rodriguez. 33 games, 15 goals, 15 assists, playing at a .91 points per game. Uh, he has been absolutely fantastic. And while we always knew the guy worked hard, I don't think anyone could have anticipated what he's done to this team, for this team. I don't think Evan Rodriguez's agent or members of his immediate family would have predicted that he could put up 30 points in, in 33 games. Um, I, I really think this is just the most recent manifestation of how important confidence is to, yeah. to a player's productivity. If you have a little success and you start to believe that you're capable of, of producing at, at a high level, <laughs> more often than not, you're able to do it. You know, and obviously uh, the converse is true, where if you uh, hit a bit of a dry spell, it can tend to be uh, self-perpetuating. But no, I mean, you know, it, it, it's not fluky. You know, the, Evan Rodriguez is not being the beneficiary of, other guys' shots that are just, you know, hitting his skate and uh, eluding the goaltender or anything like that. He is earning every point that he's been getting. And, you know, it's certainly the coaching staff recognizes that with the, you know, the, the prominent role he's, he's been filling. You know, you, you, you get on the number one power play, uh, you know, for this team as, as he has been some lately. And that's an accomplishment with, uh, with the other people that, that they have it. So yeah, he, he's legit. I, I don't know that he can maintain this level of point production uh, for the rest of the season. If, if so, he's going to break the bank, uh, you know, in his next contract, but, you know, he can certainly continue to, uh, to play well and be, and be a major contributor and a very, I think, pleasant surprise for them. I've mentioned this guy on our podcast, I think, a couple of times in the past, but it reminds me so much of William Carlson in uh, when he went to Vegas from Columbus, uh, you know, was just a third, fourth line guy, speed guy in Columbus, 
never given the opportunity. He goes to the Vegas Knights expansion team, scores 43 goals in his first year. And people are in Columbus. Says, what? Where did that come from? Now, he did, has since kind of come back to earth slowly. Uh, but still, it, a lot of it has to do with getting the opportunity. And when we talk about those injuries early in the season to people, uh, Evan Rodriguez ha- was moved up the lineup and has taken uh, uh, advantage of every opportunity. And Dave, I, I don't watch him every night as much as you do, but what strikes me about him, and, and this is getting back to your point with confidence, one of the things that with forwards you hear all the time when, when, they're, when they're not really playing that well is don't be afraid to carry the puck. You know, you can carry the puck. Evan Rodriguez carries – he just always seems to have the puck coming into the zone. That's something we expect with Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby is going to control the puck coming into the zone. Evan Rodriguez is looking to make plays. He's looking to carry the puck, to come in and and attack defenses. Uh, I don't remember that being part of his game in the past. No, and he's also willing to shoot the puck. And that's something that, you know, a lot of guys, when they hit a uh, dry spell, you know, they tend to get away from that. I have never seen a situation in which Evan Rodriguez is reluctant to to put the puck on goal, and you know that's uh, that that's a good start on on scoring is to to actually shoot. But you no, know, that you know it's it's funny when when the Penguins acquired him, uh, someone I spoke with in Buffalo about him who, who likes him as a player said Evan Rodriguez is a good player, but he's probably not as good as he thinks he is. Well, maybe he actually is as good as he thinks he is. If you know his play this season is any indication, certainly he's uh, he's reached a level that uh, I, I don't think a lot of people who who have followed his career to this point uh, would have anticipated. And uh, to to your point, Dave, uh, just uh, again, we we're recording this on Friday. Um, Evan Rodriguez is eleventh in the league in shots attempts uh, on shots on goal, one hundred and thirteen. So he has been certainly firing the puck. They were talking about that the other night on the on on the telecast uh, uh, with the win over Philadelphia. Uh, just a terrific season, and uh, we're just getting started here on the podcast. Uh, we will be back, and we're going to talk a little bit about again <laughs> about it. Seems like we're doing this every week, but how well uh, Chris Letang is playing. Uh, uh, another guy who's coming up for a contract, Brian Rust. And also, are there some cracks that uh, this winning streak has, has papered over to this point? All of that when we come back on the 6680 podcast. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. 
or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Uh, welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast. Uh, we'll be joined shortly uh, by Hall of Fame hockey writer, Helene Elliott, who will give us a little insight into what's going on with the Ducks and the Kings, who the Penguins will see um, early next week and mid next week. Uh, but before that, Dave, um, we, we've, well, I guess we can start this segment by calling it uh, Pay the Man Part 1 and 2. Now, we've talked a little bit about Chris Letang and the desire for him to keep playing. He wants to, he sounds like he wants to be Tom Brady of hockey, uh, or I guess that would be Gordie Howe but play five more years. Uh, and I guess we'd all like to do everything we would like to do as long as we can. But the difference is we're not as hot right now as Chris Letang is playing. He's been outstanding. And then another guy we want to talk about is Brian Rust, who's also going to be up for a contract this season, who's who's playing at better a, a point a game. We talked a little bit about Letang last, uh, a couple of weeks ago, saying he's playing well. Dave, he's doing nothing but playing great. And you do wonder, at the end of this season, there are probably going to be teams out there that are lining up to say, yeah, yeah, we'll pay this guy. And and what did this does new ownership do uh, in the face of that? Well, I mean, we'll have to see, obviously, how, how the new ownership handles, uh, you know, older players. Uh, there's kind of a, a track record with some of their other teams of, being willing to cut ties with uh, guys who might be in the, the latter stages of, of their career. Yeah. But, you know, the Penguins don't have a, uh, a guy ready to move into Latang's role. I think, I think John Marino could take it on eventually, but um, I don't know that you see him as a cornerstone of, of your defense core just yet. Um, I think the Penguins will certainly have to be willing to consider making a competitive offer and probably, uh, be willing to offer him a little more term than they might be comfortable with, or that, uh, might've seemed prudent just a couple of months ago. Yeah, that, that is, that's kind of where I wanted to take our conversation where it was a little bit different than the last time we, we discussed this. Again, he's playing so well. There just seems to be no signs of that. But I, I'm sure from ownership's standpoint and maybe management standpoint as well, again, the big picture with this franchise, we're talking about right now a 10-game winning streak. They're, 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 everything is – most most things are just been terrific here in this stretch. But we talk about this on the show all the time that the, the overall picture is a team about ready to go over the cliff here at some point with their aging stars. And how much of a contract do you want to get tied into uh, in a salary cap, in a flat salary cap for the probably the next year or two with as, as we try to come out of COVID? The, do you want to get tied to with a, with a guy like Latang? Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh... I'm I'm glad that it's Ron Hextall who has to make that decision and uh, 
not me. Um, I mean, it is tough because, you know, ever it's hardly unheard of for, for an older player to be performing well and then simply drop off a cliff where, you know, all of a sudden, the, you know, the tank goes dry and, and there's no refilling it at, at an advanced age. Uh, you know, Latang is an exceptionally well-conditioned athlete, uh, but he, he's also had some health issues in the past. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's not tough to fill out a list of pros and cons for, for making a significant commitment to him. And uh, as I say, I, I'm glad that's not a call that I'm going to have to make. Yeah, let's go. Let's move on to another one. A little, uh, younger player, uh, 29 years old, and Brian Russ. But Davey's playing at he's playing at better of a point a game. Uh, you know, Brian Russ as again as as of Friday, coming off the game against the Flyers, nine goals, 11 assists, 20 points in 15 games. Russ has been one of those guys that has been in and out of the lineup um, as much out as in. You know, again, what do you do with a guy like this? This it seems to be one of the, I would think, one of the guys going forward you would want to keep in the organization because he's still relatively young as far as some of these other guys and what he's performing and the level he's performing at. Yeah, and I have to admit I did not see Brian Rust breaking Wayne Gretzky's career record for goals in the span <laughs> of about three months <laughs> but he appears to be intent on doing that um I, I mean obviously he's not going to continue scoring in a you know seven goal in every three games clip but he is a good player i don't know that he's a great player he's certainly playing great lately but i you know i i don't know that you can set the bar for what you can reasonably expect from him, you know, at the level he's been at lately. Um, but, you know, if he hits the, the open market this summer, it, you know, it's not hard to see a, a team making him the kind of offer that, uh, that the Penguins would be hard pressed to match with, uh, you know, their other salary commitments. Uh, it might actually come down to, whether uh, Rust, if, if he continues to produce at a point per game clip, let alone above it, you know, is willing to offer something of a, a hometown discount. Yeah. Uh, you know, Sidney Crosby obviously set a, a pretty nice precedent for doing that. <laughs> um, but, you know, that doesn't mean that, that everybody's priorities are, are going to be the same as Crosby. So, you know, yeah, I can see some, uh, some long sleepless nights ahead for uh, for Ron Hextall and, uh, you know, quite a few of them involving Brian Rust. Yeah, and, and again, a, a self-made player. I mean, he's – anyone who's followed this guy's story, uh, a guy that's really just made himself a, 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 a really a fairly complete player in the NHL, and he brings more than just the points. And again, right now we're saying he's had a he's, – he's, 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 he's been really red hot lately – uh, again, averaging a little bit more than a point a game right now. Uh, will be interesting to see, uh, as Dave said, what what decisions are made at the end of the year. And we haven't even mentioned uh, Geno Malkin in, in part because he hasn't played yet. Uh, hopefully next week that will be a, a topic of conversation. All right, Dave, let's uh, let's move on here. In and again, 
We're talking about a team that is is as hot as any in the NHL right now. Uh, but there are some concerns here. Right? When you're watching games, uh, you, know, you, you think, think of the game the other day against St. Louis. There are some things that you have pointed out. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that, that are at least some cause for concerns for the coaching staff as they as they try to keep this uh, keep this streak going and at least keep the uh, keep the the momentum going with it. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if all of them qualify as causes for concern, but there are at least questions that have to be answered. You know, over the balance of the regular season. Uh, first of all, I th- I think they're going to need a productive second line, and we have absolutely no idea at this point whether they will have one, um, mostly because Evgeny Malkin hasn't played a game yet. Yeah. And he's going to be that second-line center. But, you know, the, the two wingers uh, who are projected to be with him, uh, Jason Zucker and Kasperi Kapanen, neither of them has produced two expectations this season. Uh, Zucker's hurt now, but he didn't have a goal in his final 12 games before he was hurt. And uh, Kapanen only has three in his past 18 games and has not had nearly the impact that I think uh, a lot of us expected him to. Um, you know, when, when you get into the playoffs, and the, the Penguins certainly look like uh, they're headed in that direction at this point, you're going to have to have more than, than one line. You, you can't allow the other team to focus all of its efforts on uh, – on trying to contain the, the Crosby line. And I, I say trying because I, I, I'm not sure the way it's been going lately that anybody actually can contain that line, but you can at least focus on doing damage control against it. The Penguins are going to need, um, you know, a productive second line. And, you know, just in general, they're going to need some complementary scoring. It, it's funny for as as well as, as Chris Letang has been playing. And I, I don't think that even his most harsh critics are, are going to find much bad to say about his play this season. He doesn't have a goal in 24 games, which is pretty hard to believe, uh, mm-hmm. considering you know, the, the state of his overall game. Uh, you know, Zach Aston Reese is, is not a guy you count on to score often, but he has one goal in 31 games, you know, just they're, they're going to need, uh, you know, some, some scoring from, from outside of their top line. And, and you, and you, you can't rely on Evan Rodriguez to produce all of it, even though yeah. he, lately he seems like he'd be capable of doing that. Well, to your point, uh, we, we, we don't have to think back very long over the last couple of years and the quick first round exits that that teams do figure out ways to whether it's whether it's the opponent themselves or whether it's injury or playing playing hurt. Uh, you know, the top line has not performed great in the playoffs uh, last the last couple of years. Uh, Sidney Crosby's numbers haven't been very good. Uh, and I think Sid last year was dealing with a, I think a wrist injury, if I'm correct. It's, it was yes. an injury that kind of kept him out. So that's to your point that you, you need to find other sources of offense uh, in the playoffs. You know, if you can get through one round, you, you think that 
Sidney Crosby and that group are going to eventually produce. Uh, I just remember the struggles Jake uh, Gensel had last year against those uh, the big Islanders defensemen. Uh, so that's to your point. That's going to be important. Is this team, uh, Dave? We, we this was a big talking point at the beginning of the season, uh, and and it was from the top down uh, in the off season. Are they big enough? Okay, you know, again, everything looks great right now. They they are rolling through through a stretch here in the NHL, as impressive as any team in the league. But I always caution people, and I don't care where it's what team you're talking about. In the NHL, much like in the NBA, there are so many games. Teams just – you go from city to city. You're not game planning for anybody. In the playoffs, games get more physical. We, we all know that. Every year there are people that are somehow shocked by why are the referees letting stuff go. Is this team built the, uh, the strong enough? Have they, have they added uh, – have they girded themselves enough to be ready to play that way in, in the postseason to this point? I think that's a very legitimate question, and uh, in both ways. I, I don't know that they have the physical defensemen that I think they could use. Yeah. Um, and I think it's uh, very much an open question whether, whether they would be able to handle an opponent that, that would play a heavy game. Um, you know, the, the Penguins aren't particularly big and you know they they just traded one of their their larger forwards uh sam lafferty not that he was a you know a major spoke in the wheel or anything he was primarily a depth guy but you know he he was uh he, he does have good size and was capable of playing a physical game even uh if he didn't do it as consistently as as the penguins would have liked so you know, yeah, I you know, I th- I think it's a uh, a legitimate question uh, wh- whether they would be able to uh, handle a team that that plays that kind of game over over a best of seven series. Yeah, maybe they maybe they can, uh, yeah. but I I don't think that we could uh, say that with any certainty as, at this point. Bearing in mind, you know, there's there's still time before the trade deadline. Yeah, you know, the Penguins probably will not enter the. Uh, the playoffs, assuming they qualify uh, with the same roster that they have today. But, uh, you know, that will be certainly a uh, an issue to keep an eye on uh, when round one gets here. Yeah, the good news is right now for, for, for Penguins fans, the Islanders are well behind in May, struggled to make the playoffs. The bad news is there are still teams like the Capitals and Tampa Bay is the one I think of that can play any which way. Um, Carolina is certainly not shrinking violets. Uh, yeah, are... the, the good thing about Tampa Bay from the perspective of the Penguins and the rest of the league is that I think three long playoff runs in a row is a lot to expect of any team, yeah. no, no matter how impressive its its roster is. And, and believe me, that that's a really nice, well-rounded lineup that the, that the Lightning has. But there's just so much wear and tear sure. on, on a team and that, you know, it goes to the final two years in a row. Um, you know, the, the Penguins found that out in 2010 after going in 08 and 09. Yep. Um, and, and again, again in, in, in 18, yeah. I, I, you know, you, you, that there's just a physical toll that's taken on you. 
So I, I'm not suggesting that uh, the lightning will be one and done when the playoffs begin, but there, there's a cumulative effect of, of long playoff runs. And I won't be at all surprised uh, if that catches up with Tampa Bay this spring. Yeah. All right. When we come back, we will be joined by Hall of Fame hockey writer Helene Elliott from the LA Times. She'll be previewing a little bit about what's going on with the Ducks, the Kings, and also uh, thoughts on the decision not to go, the NHL and NHLPA's decision not to go to the Olympics. Uh, when we come back on the 66 general sports columnist in Los Angeles, but anyone who's followed the sport for any amount of time, you know Helene has been covering the NHL for years and years and years, uh, a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame, uh, and a, a real trailblazer that sometimes that, that phrase gets thrown around a little too often, but Helene, one of the first women to cover hockey, uh, has done a fantastic job in New York, and certainly now out in Los Angeles, and of course the uh, the, the Penguins will be uh, out there playing Anaheim and L.A. this week. But I want to start right with the trailblazing uh, aspect of your career. And when you look around, uh, especially in the NHL today, uh, we, see, we see more and more women getting jobs on television, certainly in uh, print. Uh, our own Taylor Haas is one of our hockey writers. Uh, does that give you a sense of pride? Where do you think... Uh, that is in terms of w women trying to have a greater foothold in covering the sport. Well, it's funny because I was um, uh, on a trip with the Lakers recently and I was talking to a reporter um, and we were talking about how difficult it is to really develop relationships with players now because the locker rooms aren't open and our only contact with players is via Zoom or short interview sessions. And I was saying, you know, it's funny because at the beginning of my career, I wasn't allowed in locker rooms. <laughs> right. And now here we are towards the end of my career and I'm not allowed in locker rooms. And the guy said, uh-huh. And then he paused and he went, there was a time when women weren't allowed in locker rooms? Yeah. And I, I, I started laughing because he's grown up, he's much younger than I am, and he's, he, he knows only a world in which female reporters are treated the same as male reporters are treated. And uh, that's a wonderful thing. But I also would encourage people in the business to learn some of the history and learn that there were people before me as well, Robin Herman, Laurie Mifflin, Mary Flannery, uh, uh, you know, just hockey writers and sports writers. Allison Gordon in Toronto was a baseball writer. Um, I wish that people would learn about the history of women reporters and women in journalism in general. Helene, you're scheduled to go to Beijing. Uh, the NHL and NHLPA decided that players from the league should not go. Do you, do you agree with that decision? Well, selfishly, as a hockey fan, I very much disagree. I want to see the best on best, and I know the players wanted to play best on best. They wanted to be there. 
but um, I know that the commissioner really didn't want it in the first place. I think he was uh, not happy of the idea of a, you know, there've been the past few seasons have been interrupted by COVID. He wanted this to be a whole season. He wanted this to be a smooth season and taking an Olympic break kind of got in the way of that. So I'm sure he wasn't too unhappy that uh, the decision was made not to go. Uh, I think for the betterment of hockey, it would have been great if they'd been there. I mean, I covered the tournament four years ago in Pyeongchang and the quality of play and, and God bless all those European pros and all those other folks who were playing, but the quality of play was nowhere near what it was like when NHL players were in it and, and the top players in the world were in it. So I think it's unfortunate that uh, the situation has played out the way it has where NHL players won't be going. Oh. Um, Jeff Carter, if, if he makes it out of the COVID protocol, uh, will be back in L.A. in a few days uh, for the first time since the Penguins acquired him at, at the trade deadline. What kind of reception do you think he'll get? And are you surprised that he's still uh, being pretty productive at a rather advanced age for an NHL player? I think he'll get a standing ovation. Uh, I truly do. Uh, he and his wife were very popular among the players. They were very involved in the community. In fact, his wife did a lot of work with animal rescue and uh, local animal shelters. So I know uh, that she was very popular here and did and was missed when he was traded. I'm happy for him that he situation where there are other skilled players at his level who he can play off and who can benefit from him being there. Oh, uh, obviously, trading a guy like Carter is part of the uh, rebuild going on with, with the Kings. Uh, where does that stand right now? And, and what do you make of their season to date with them kind of on the periphery of a, uh, of a playoff spot? Well, before the season began, they said they have to make the playoffs this year to prove to fans and to themselves that they're capable of doing it. Uh, I must say that one big surprise is how well Jonathan Quick has played. I frankly thought he was pretty much done, uh, victim of a lot of injuries the past few years, but he's been terrific, and he's one of the reasons that they are still contending for a wild card spot, at least a uh, wild card playoff spot. Um, you know, there's still issues of scoring. There's still issues of consistency. Uh, they don't have the breakout kind of game-changing player that you would think they would have had through drafting. Uh, the past few years through some very advantageous draft positions. Uh, but, you know, they're still on the hunt. And this has been such an unpredictable season that it's still possible that they get a playoff spot. Oh. A guy that uh, <clears throat> some people in the East might not be as familiar with yet as they should be and probably will be in the not too distant future is uh, Trevor Zegras in Anaheim. Uh, what do you make of him, and can he keep it up? Well, unfortunately, he's in uh, COVID protocols, or at least he was the last I knew. Uh, I believe he practiced today, but uh, he wasn't cleared to return. I think he's terrific. Just watching him and Troy Terry, they bring youth, they bring speed, they bring energy. Um, I think that the Ducks in past seasons have kind of had a very fragile team psyche. If they got down, they didn't fight back much. Um, you know, if they got out to a two or three goal lead, it was too easy to rattle them and catch up to them and beat them. 
I think that Zgress and, and Terry in particular and uh, Jamie Drysdale as well give them hope. They give them energy. They give them uh, scoring depth. And uh, that's definitely what they've needed. Uh, did you expect the Ducks to have such a, a good first half? Can they keep it up? And, you know, what else has contributed? I'm sure, uh, you know, Sean Gibson, who's a Pittsburgh kid, uh, has obviously played a significant role in that. But uh, what are some of the other factors that have contributed to Anaheim's success so far? Well, unfortunately, uh, Gibson was placed in the protocols today, so uh, he'll be out for a little while. But um it's been an interesting season for them. As you know, the general manager, Bob Murray, resigned. Um, he was under pressure, under investigation for some uh, creating a, a toxic workplace environment. And then he resigned and said he was going into alcohol treatment. Um, so that that's always kind of a situation you look at and wonder how the team's going to respond. And I think they've responded well. I think it's been a matter of belief, of a matter of maybe beefing up the defense a little bit, but you look at Terry and Drysdale and Zgrass and Lindholm and some of these other guys, and there's a lot of really good individual pieces here. Can they keep it up? I don't know. Again, this season, it's just been so goofy in terms of you check everybody every day who's in COVID protocol rather than who's on scoring streaks because that's has affected every single NHL team so much. I mean, the Ducks game tonight was postponed. So, uh, you know, it, it's just been such a mishmash of a season that, you know, a team gets on a hot streak, they can do some damage. But, um, you know, now with uh, Carrick, Gibson, Lindholm, and Vinny Letary going into protocol today, and Zagras not out yet, um, it's really difficult to predict how that's going to go. Well, uh Helene, we wish you nothing but uh, luck and, and, and enjoy your trip uh, to Beijing. Uh, again, one of the greats, one of the trailblazers, Helene Elliott. And uh, that'll do it for us uh, this week on the 6687 Podcast for Helene Elliott, uh, Dave Molinari, and myself, Tom Reed. We will talk to you again next week.